Here we are, Locked On NFL, alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock, the number one daily sports podcast network here. We're bringing it to you daily on Locked On NFL. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. And you can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. And we've got every team covered here on the network. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. We launched the NHL side of the network this year. So your teams are covered. Tell a friend that their show is taken care of here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today, we're going to look into some trades that have happened. Maybe have some projections of trades that we think should happen around the league. We're less than a week out now from the trade deadline, which is the Tuesday after week eight. And I think that day is going to start to be a day that sticks into the minds of football fans now, Matt, because the Tuesday after week eight might start to be a more popular date. It might be a more active date if if, uh, recent trends are going to stick. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is a conversation in itself in that I'm 46 years old. I've been a football fan since I could crawl and an avid one. And I would say for, and I've been doing this for a living basically for 20 years, I've worked in football, give or take. And I would say probably the first 25 years of my life, I didn't even know when the NFL trade deadline was and it would come and go and you wouldn't even see it on SportsCenter or, you know, what there was no Twitter and things back then. And even lately, I mean, even, well, not lately, the last 20 years is not lately, especially for most most of our young listeners, but (laughs) it has not been a thing. But really, the last couple years, these week or two or three leading up to the trade deadline, it doesn't rival the NBA or Major League Baseball or hockey, but it has picked up dramatically. And I was asked yesterday, and I hadn't given it a whole lot of thought before that, as to why. And I think the why is interesting. And I think two things are at play here. And it used to be, well, the NFL is not going to make any trades because it's too hard to go to a team and adjust to their system. And, um, you know, it'll take them three weeks to get ready. And then we won't even get anything out of the guy. But I think with all the influx of young quarterbacks in the league, I'm not saying offenses or, or schemes have simplified, but they've certainly put elements of spread and things to make life easier on young quarterbacks in particular. So I do think if a receiver comes to a team that they probably have some foundation of similar things that all of them did in college. So I do think adjusting's a little easier now. I think coaches in general are smarter now in that it used to be growing up, coaches did what they did and we're going to teach them our system. Well, I think in general, people have realized that successful coaches adapt to their players as opposed to the other way around. And lastly, and this is what I feel the most strongly about is now analytics are big. They weren't five, 10 years ago. And I think analytics have shown us that draft picks maybe aren't as valuable as we thought, you know, that Of course, there's a better hit rate early in the first round, but basically first-round picks hit like 50 55% of the time. And if I'm a contender, and I often say this too, Brian, that most drafts have three, four, five blue-chip players, that in the year they came out, they would be blue-chip dudes. Most drafts then have maybe another 10, 12, maybe if you're lucky, 15 what I call first round picks that probably all 32 teams have a first round grade on. So that leaves you like 15 surefire first round picks. 
And if I'm a playoff team, I'm not getting one of them, you know? So after that, there's pretty much the, the difference between player 20 and player 50 isn't as big as the difference between player 20 and maybe player 12 in most drafts. So I think people are realizing, hey, give me the bird in the hand, give me the player, and I'll I'll sacrifice the draft pick, the lottery ticket, the coin flip for the guy I know now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Those are all big reasons. I think maybe the salary cap has helped that it continues to go up and teams are willing to pay more guys. So uh, they are not as uh, they they're not as de- dependent on the high level, really cheap talent that comes in the draft because maybe they can fill those guys in with some undrafted free agents. You know, because you can have an endless amount of undrafted free agents. You can have twenty rookies every year if you want, even if you have zero draft picks. And if you can fill the spots you need, the important spots with players that you can afford to pay, then you can make do with what you can what you can find and I think there's better I, I would say that the late rounds are better now than they were. I don't know if you agree with that. Un, seems like there's so many good undrafted free agents and, and players that are lifelong have been training to play a professional brand of football since they were kids and that are really mm-hmm. good football players late in the draft, even undrafted. And maybe back in the day it wasn't the case. It was just a good athlete that was went to college and, and played ball a little bit. And I think you just have a, a really high level of training and athlete coming out of the draft, even late and undrafted. That's a real good point. I hadn't thought of that. But as you were saying that, I was sitting here thinking, let's say a six-round pick linebacker or guard, whatever, it doesn't matter what position, 10 years ago might have been a fourth rounder. You know what I mean? That same person comes out of the University of Houston or Texas or anywhere probably goes earlier several years ago. And that same guy may have been a third rounder when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think there's more of them. Athletes are better trained, as you mentioned. They're the health, the diet, all those things. And then the other thing I think is a huge component of it, too, is it took a little while. Some teams were good at this from the beginning, but it took a little while. But I think the league realizes the value of the comp pick system, too. So if I'm going to rent Emmanuel Sanders, you know, I mean, a guy that maybe I only use for the rest of the year, and then he walks, I'm still going to get something in return for him a year from now. Right, yeah, so that helps the team that does buy on a player that they get that little bit of extra incentive knowing, well, we're not going to get him for nothing if we trade a bunch for him. And the team that, and I think with, with agents and, and players are taking a little bit upon themselves as well, saying, look, we're not going to resign with you. So get something better than what you would get if you even got a comp pick. And you're not guaranteed to get comp picks if you're going to sign free agents anyway. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of factors here and just a younger generation of dudes that can probably text each other in front offices and, you know, just more easy conversations. And I think the idea is just, you know, once people start trading, I think that's part of it too, is you see a team make a trade and you're like, oh, we can do that too. And back in the day, it just Mm -hmm. wasn't happening that much. And nobody was doing it. The more teams trade, the more other teams will trade. So I think we're just in a new era of football and all of those factors playing into it. And hey, the trade deadline's fun now. The trade deadline's a blast. And every day we've had something good to talk about. And then the last factor, I think, with more trades is one I don't like, is the Antonio Brown, Jadavian Clowney superstar saying, well, I'm not going to play for you anymore. You know, I mean, and that's not a trade deadline thing. Yeah. That's kind of an NBA thing. And uh, it's also a social media you know, thing that everyone knows. And the world's so much smaller now. 
But that also has factored into the number of trades without question. Yeah, and the ego can get in the way of some things, and you don't want players just bailing on teams because that's just bad for the league and bad for the fans. And, you know, you're a fan of a team. You draft a guy who's good. You're like, great. Uh, I'm going to buy this jersey, and I'm all in on this. And then the guy says, you know what? I want to go build a super team over here with some of these other dudes. Uh, I understand why the player would want to do that, but it's not necessarily good for the league. So there is a slippery slope there with guys holding out and really controlling too much where they're able to go and play before they're a free agent. I 100% agree, although I don't want it to be the 1950s coal miner that had no rights either. You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. so there's a sweet spot in there. And uh, I think in most cases, we're in a pretty good place as far as that goes. And so uh, Mm -hmm. let's take a look here at some of the names that have moved since last we talked and some of the names that could potentially be on the move. Cool. This episode is brought to you in part by Roman. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to lasting longer in the bedroom. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Okay, we talked yesterday about the 49ers and Emmanuel Sanders, and it was reported that they were in on Sanders, and shortly after we were done recording, that trade was consummated, and it happened. Now that we see the draft picks, I want to get your opinion on Uh, On the hall for the 49ers and the Broncos, it was a third and fourth round pick going to Denver for Emmanuel Sanders and a fifth round pick. And just looking at those draft picks, at first I was thinking, okay, that's maybe more than I expected the 49ers to give up for a rental of a 32-year-old wide receiver. But the fourth and fifths are not going to be that far apart. A late fourth, most likely for the 49ers, and an earlier fifth, most likely for the Broncos, that pick could be, you know, there's some comp picks in between probably that may, that pick might be 10, 15 picks apart. So it's not a huge drop. So it's mostly a third rounder plus for Emmanuel Sanders. Do you, does that feel about right for you? Yeah, especially because, you know, like you said, I mean, people need to realize, and we talked about this heavily with Sanu. I mean, yeah, that was a second-round pick for Sanu, but that might be pick 64. I mean, it's a lot different than pick 33. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, that fourth and fifth are pretty close to canceling each other out. So the reality of it is I think Denver probably gets maybe pick 90 for them. You know, I mean, uh, rounds are big. I, it's, it's a third-rounder. There's a big difference between early and a, third, and a late pick. So that sounds about right. I mean, because I, I, I was thinking he was probably worth a fourth. But if you're Denver and the offer is the Niners fourth, I don't. I think I can do better than that. So give me your third and we'll do this little swap thing. And I, I think it's a little rich, but it's an in-it-to-win-it move. I, was there a huge need there, though? I mean, like, I like Manny Sanders. I think he's going to catch a lot of balls there. He'll be their number two receiver behind Kittle. And I said this before that I would, and I think we both agreed on it yesterday, that we preferred if it was a bigger bodied guy. And A.J. Green would have been great. But, I mean, somebody at least in that mold, not another little versatile jitterbug type. Um, And and is he enough to, I mean, yeah, he helps you. I just have mixed feelings on the player and the fit a little bit. Right, yeah, and it's more of the same. And Kyle Shanahan definitely has a type there. And I think what it is is maybe some frustration. And they were hoping that Dante Pettis was going to be Emmanuel Sanders for them. And he Mm -hmm. just hasn't quite gotten to that level. And they felt like they wanted a veteran that they could trust and and throw a lot of targets at. And Emmanuel Sanders seems to be that guy. And if you go back and and look at quotes from Kyle Shanahan 
when they played each other last December, the 49ers and Broncos, I mean, he just heaped all kinds of praise on Emmanuel Sanders, talking about how he's been one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league for a long time. And he's definitely the type that Shanahan likes. He loves those those guys with pure hands. He's got 30 catches, zero drops on the season, and he can separate and get open. And, and that's what Shanahan wants above anything else. And that tends to be a smaller type of wide receiver. And I agree it would have made more sense, I think, to make sure you got a player who's slam dunk, better than what you have, and different than what you have. So a name like A.J. Green would have made some sense. And apparently the 49ers were in on Muhammad Sanu, who's a bigger bodied receiver. But I think kind of uh, along the lines of that, uh, Emmanuel Sanders trade, and I agree, I would have said a fourth seems right, third seems a little much, a third plus is, yeah, I mean, is a little much, but that's what it was going to take, apparently. You know, maybe there's another team that was willing to offer a third, so they said, you know what, 49ers, you got to come up with a little bit more, so let's do that fourth, fifth swap thing. But I think I like Sanders for a third more than Sanu for a second. I see what you're saying. The, the difference is obviously they're very different stylistically. Of They're both wide receivers, but they almost don't play the same position. And one of the allures that Sanu has that Sanders doesn't is he's under contract for another year. So he's not a rental. So there's a, that gives him a boost, but still I'm with you. I mean, Sanders is better at playing football than Sanu. Right. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I would rather cover Sanu all day than Sanders all day. Um, two other things I think that were appealing to the Niners is I mentioned, you know, teams trading and scheme fits. Well, they basically run a Shanahan scheme now in Denver, too. So this is yes. the verbiage and the way that they the route concepts are not going to really be any different. So I would think he could adjust very quickly. And then the other thing of it, too, is like we talked about to start the show, you use them up for the year. Hopefully you win the Super Bowl. Everything's rosy. A lot of teams love this player. He signs a big contract with the Jags, and then you get a third-round comp pick or a fourth-round comp pick, you know, so – if, if, if he he's going to make it good money next year. You're not going to get a seventh-round comp pick if he leaves. You're going to get something better than that. Right, so you might not get a third, but maybe a fourth or a fifth, and that'll be good enough, and you get a little extra there, and you get that boost, and you know that you are set at wide receiver for the rest of the year. So all of that makes sense. And the 49ers right now, they already traded their second rounder for D Ford, so they don't have a pick between round one and five now. Uh, in oh, the wow. 2020 draft. So if you're looking for a team that might trade down, I think the 49ers is that team you're going to be calling if you're at the top of the second round or you're at the very end uh, behind the 49ers in the first round and you need to move up. I think the 49ers' phones will be wide open in April when it comes to draft day. Uh, another trade... I'm sorry, real quick. The yes. last note I wanted to make is that, that Steelers show that I host is with Dale Lawley, who's been covering the Steelers now for... Since the early 80s. And he knows Manny Sanders, obviously covered him for all his years he was here. And he mentioned on our show yesterday that he considers him a very, not a self-made guy, but a a good influence on Debo and Pettis in terms of professionalism, route running, how to handle your craft. So I think that's also another little perk that the, the wide receiver room gets. Yeah, and you know, a lot of 49ers fans on my Twitter timeline were a little bit upset because they're like, look, this is going to hurt the development of Debo and Pettis. And my thought was, well, maybe less reps now, but what can they learn from him? Maybe it even mm-hmm. raises their ceiling going forward. And if he is truly a rental, and like you mentioned, he the 49ers ex-quarterback coach was his offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello. So terminology there he should be able to jump in quickly Uh, maybe he helps the young guys learn a little something that they wouldn't have gotten because they didn't have that really good veteran uh, to teach them a few things and maybe it makes them better in the future and then when he walks in the offseason now you have Debo and Pettis ready to fully 
go in 2020, you know, in years two and year three, which is a time when wide receivers usually start to take off in their careers. So uh, in that in that way, I really see that it, it makes some sense. And you got a player who's better than Snoo and you paid less. And I think in the end, uh, I like that deal a little bit better than the the Patriots deal. And I understand the 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 trade for both teams. And I understand, I understand why the the Falcons and the Broncos would have to say, you know what? Yes, we have to accept this deal right now with where we're at as a team. And it makes sense to move these veterans. So I kind of like the deals all the way around, even though I think maybe, and I think that's probably the way it should be and the way it will be for NFL trades. We've seen it with Tunsil. We've seen it with um, Jalen Ramsey, the buying team. You have to overpay a little bit. Yeah. And maybe with Minka as well. Right. And, and I really think the um, Falcons and Broncos did very well for themselves. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there was one other trade that we haven't covered yet that happened yesterday, and this was not making headlines so much, but the Seattle Seahawks have traded for Quandre Diggs, who was a former corner who's been playing safety and starting at safety. They sent a fifth-round pick to Detroit for Diggs and a seventh-round pick, and uh, Seahawks having a little bit of trouble. They're finding uh, replacing Earl Thomas at safety. This one was odd to me. I mean, for the Seahawks, it's a no-brainer, in my opinion. I mean, safety has been a problem area, as you mentioned. It also indicates to me that they're, they have gotten away from Earl Thomas in center field, Cam Chancellor in the box. You know, like, I don't think they want to be – I think they want to be more interchangeable at the safety position, have more versatile guys as opposed to true specialists at their position. Diggs is a really good player. Uh, see, that's what I don't get here is I know they have Walker, who's a second round, not a household name, is a good, really good young safety that's playing really well. But why are they moving on from Diggs? You know, like if, if Seattle, to me, he's a top 12 safety in this league, highly versatile playmaker, can come down and play man coverage. You mentioned the cornerback background, flies all over the field. Um, not as much of a household name as he should be, but you're not getting much in return. Was he causing problems in the locker room? Did Patricia look at him for some reason and think he's not the Patriots scheme, which I wouldn't agree. I think he's a lot like McCordy and then all the things he could do. So I don't understand. And I haven't heard a good reason why the lions would do this deal. I have much. Re I mean, I have, it's obvious to me why the, the Seahawks would. And one mistake we make, well, it's not really a mistake. I mean, when a trade come down, comes down, we analyze it. But in those buildings, just to tell people, and this reminds me of the Browns when they traded Corbett to the Rams. Now they're rumored to be really interested in Nate Solder. Like, sometimes move one sets up move two. Right, yeah, and that's something to remember. These guys aren't just, like, going willy-nilly, playing Madden, throwing out some trades. They have a long-term <laughs> right, plan right. in place. And sometimes they're thinking two, three years down the road, and sometimes they're not. But, um, yeah, you, you have an idea in place. Where are you trying to get to? What's the end result? And I think we saw that with the Rams, with the multiple moves they've made all in one day. Those all went together, and we might see that with Detroit. And I think we might see that with the Browns that are obviously trying to get an offensive tackle. Uh, I think that's what we got to talk about next is some potential trades. There's some rumors out there and maybe some trades that make sense to us. You mentioned that Browns trade let's start there the Browns have been rumored to be in on and trying really hard to get Trent Richardson from uh, not Trent Richardson Trent, uh, Trent Williams yeah. from uh I don't think Trent Richardson would help even the Detroit Lions right now 
<laughs> uh, Trent Williams from the Washington Redskins, and for whatever reason, Washington does not want to deal, and they're just going to play this thing out, and maybe it's a, an ego thing. Maybe they're just like, you know what? Nope, this is it. You have to play for us, or you don't get to play for anybody. And that's unfortunate for Trent Williams. It's unfortunate for the Browns. or some teams that might try to get an offensive tackle. So now it sounds like the Browns have moved their focus to Nate Solder of the New York Giants. My question would be, and that trade would make sense, I think, uh, depending on what they have to give up and what the Giants get, but there's a few trades here that I have that I've projected around the league. And one of the thoughts for some bad teams is they have a young quarterback. Do you get rid of your offensive tackle if you have a rookie quarterback and Daniel Jones you're trying to protect and develop? Right. I was thinking about that, too. And that's also sort of goes for Haskins, although I don't believe Williams will ever put on a Redskins jersey again. And real quick note on that one. I mentioned how I hate when stars tell their team, hey, you have to trade me. But I kind of – I'm in Wilson's corner or Williams' corner on this one, too. Yes, yeah. Like, there's been medical things. I, the, the team is not handled well. So uh, that might still be coming. I don't understand why they haven't pulled the trigger. I mean, if they don't within this week, I do. I will be you know harsh on the Redskins. But a big thing people need to realize, and this goes for the preseason, too, is if you're going to evaluate a young quarterback and – even you know the third quarter of week two of the preseason, you can't just have a bunch of jabroni offensive linemen blocking for them because th- that's no evaluation. I mean, you need <laughs> to at least do something to let the quarterback be properly evaluated. And yes, you would also want him to be secure in the pocket and trust his blindside protection. You don't want him to look like Sam Darnold the other night. You know, I mean, but if you're sitting in the the front office and your job is Boy, I need to evaluate Rosen this year. You got to give him something. <laughs> I mean, how Rosen's a perfect example. Like, how do we? How can we evaluate him through his Cardinal and Miami time? And you're right. I mean, Jones is more entrenched than some of these other guys. He's going to be the starter. Um, and Solder's a big contract, but you do have to keep that in mind when you're evaluating the the, the uh, quarterback position. Let's have some fun here projecting some trades around the league. And it was actually a tweet you sent out originally that made me think of doing this exercise and projecting some trades was O.J. Howard to the Patriots. That was before they made the Sanu deal. Could they make another move? They're always active and they have a lot of picks as usual and they've traded down over the years and they get comp picks. And so I think it's possible. Um, I would think that it would be on the offensive side of the ball. So, real quick, speaking of former Patriots, the thing about Nate Solder, though, is he's not good anymore. <laughs> you know, like, he has not played well at all. So, the Giants might dump him for nothing, just get the contract out of the way, and the Browns might be buying fool's, fool's gold there. But anyway, um, a tight end would make a ton of sense to me, but I mentioned this yesterday that I think Sanu and Nikhil Harry have some tight end-like qualities, and they have a big picture plan in place for these two. They would not have used a first round pick on a big bodied slot receiver. And then a second round pick on the same thing, something that they haven't really been, hasn't really been their MO hasn't been their style of play player or receiver to go after. So there's a bigger plan in place that I think is directly related to trying to, you know, make up for the Gronkowski loss. 
But boy, OJ Howard to the Patriots or Seattle, Seattle I mean, yeah. it would be really interesting. Yeah, those would be, make a lot of sense. And you've already given up your second rounder if you're the Patriots. So you'd probably have to give up a one to get OJ Howard. Is that cost prohibitive for a team if, uh, you know, if the Bucks are asking for a one for Howard? Is as, as talented as he is? Um, another name for maybe the Seahawks or the Patriots that would cost a lot less than OJ Howard, Tyler Eifert. I don't know what the Bengals are doing. It yeah. doesn't seem like they're selling yet, even though they should. Tyler Eifert, I could see being a nice fit for Seattle, who lost Will Disley for the year. Yeah, and much cheaper rental. Like, if Tyler Eifert was a Patriot, I'd be picking him up in fantasy. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Like, yep. I mean, he still has it if he's on the field. He's not the same player, but I kind of like that approach better. And use them up for the year and use them properly and then go from there. There's a couple obvious fits here. Uh, Chris Harris to the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that one screams to me. It would shock me if somehow the Eagles don't add a corner. And it's obvious the Broncos now have officially announced with that Sanders trade that they are willing to deal and willing to be a seller right now. Another player who is uh, going to be a free agent to be. So that would just make too much sense for where the Broncos are at right now. Maybe even the Chiefs. There could be some other teams, and there have been some corners mm-hmm. on the move. We already seen the Texans uh, deal a third for Gary and Conley. So cornerbacks uh, definitely in demand around the league. Yeah, and you mentioned how the Broncos are, you know, showing their cards now that hey, we are going to sell some dudes off wisely. The Bengals need to do the same. I mean, yeah. I don't if they just sit and and don't move any of these guys for future picks, including maybe Dalton, I don't understand that at all. I mean, you probably have it on your list, but could a Fitzpatrick or a Foles or a Dalton or a really outlandish one, a Cam Newton, end up in Chicago or end up somewhere like that? Yeah, and I have all those names on this list. I bet. I bet. Uh, Marcus Mariota? Uh, like. Mm-hmm. Could, could Marcus Mariota game manage his way to some wins in Chicago that Trubisky can't, or would it be the same results as we've seen in Tennessee? Uh, Cam Newton would be the obvious, like, huge blockbuster, and I just had uh, Bill Rossetti of Locked on Panthers on the 49ers show doing a crossover before that Week 8 game, and he said, now, nah, yes, definitely not going to happen now, but there's a $17 million number for Cam next year. An offseason trade of Cam is possible, but he said, yeah, there's uh, he doesn't see any chance that that happens before the deadline this week, but Dalton fits Foles. I think you got to do something if you're the bears, because that's obviously what's holding that team back right now. Yeah. But they also don't have a first round pick next year and are highly invested in Trubisky, but Trubisky's Blake Bortles to me. I mean, I think it's, he's showed us who he is and they don't have a guy that they can win with right now. And he's going backwards if anything. So, I mean, if, I guess you look at it this way. If, what if Andy Dalton were the Bears' starting quarterback from week one? They're two wins better, at least. Right, and that's a massive two wins in that division. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So that one makes sense. I don't, I don't hate the Mariota call there, too, because being conservative on that team wouldn't be so bad. You know, like I'd rather have a Mariota-style guy than right. a Winston-style guy for the Bears. Right, if he could, and, you know, sort of be the, the Alex Smith, the way he was for the 49ers mm-hmm. when they got good and had a massively 
powerful defense. That would be what you would hope you could get from Marcus Mariota. A real quick, we're out of time, but a couple of more names here, a couple of wide receivers. A.J. Green, would, would, would the Packers, the Bills maybe make some sense there? Uh, Robbie Anderson potentially add some speed to the Packers or the Eagles, who are obviously la- lacking speed outside right now? From the Jets, I'm not dealing Anderson. I I, I, I want to get – I'm married to that guy. I, I think he's still young. How about this one to end the show? A.J. Green to the Saints. Oh, oh my gosh. That was, Speaking of a awesome. fantasy, you know, a, a fantasy pickup right there, uh, A.J. Green would be awesome with Drew Brees. That would be a fun matchup. And that, then just look out for that team. And that Best offense. team in the league. Right. right. Uh, and if you're the Saints, you've got that window. Brees is still in the league and not retired yet. Uh, on the cusp of turning 40, he right. turns 40 very soon, right? He's not 40 yet. He's still 39, if I'm not mistaken. Play, play in the dome. Don't beat your body up that much. Run routes outside the numbers. Thomas will do the heavy lifting. Yeah, you can't double you Thomas just, now. Yeah, just roast number two corners all day. I think I, A.J. <laughs> Green might be up for that. I like that one. That would be fun. And I agree. The Darnold thing with Robbie Anderson, similar to an offensive tackle for the other young mm-hmm. quarterbacks we talked about. Let's help the young quarterback and not hurt his development. It'd be, you know, uh, whatever pick you get is not worth the the hurting the development of your young quarterback. Yeah, I think they have receivers there, and I wouldn't mess with it too much. And we're out of time, Matt. That was good stuff. Uh, Fun projecting those trades, and I think it's going to be a fun week here leading up to the trade deadline next Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow previewing Thursday Night Football right here. Locked on NFL.